Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. Hey everyone, here is Daniel Budai, and uh, this is another episode of the Ecom Show. And I'm really glad to have uh, Will Christiansen today with me, the founder of Data Automation, a uh, Georgia US based uh, company. And they are an integration and automation agency and platform as well. Um, he's personally now in, uh, in Salt Lake City, Utah. And um, yeah, today we will talk about these uh, very interesting topics. Um, hey, Will, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. It's good to be here. So please uh, tell us more what you do exactly. I think you can tell the audience much better than, than I did. Awesome. Well, yeah, so we're an integration and automation company, just like you said. Um, we started four years ago, and in the initial piece of everything we were doing, we focused on um, low-code or no-code solutions, um, mm-hmm. like Zapier and some of the different platforms that are out there. And then we quickly discovered that there was an opportunity to um, build out um, more platforms like that. And so we use Zapier and Integromat and several of those other platforms when it makes sense. And then um, we have our own framework that we use for syncing inventory between two different platforms or for pull, pushing massive amounts of orders between two different platforms, pulling tracking information back or grabbing tracking information out of an email, that kind of thing. So we're, we're an automation and integration company that helps e-commerce and other companies stop pushing on manual processes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a huge topic. And uh, my company is a bit different. We are a service company, but I think that's super super important in 2020 to take care of these things. Um, at what size do you recommend to start caring about these integrations and automations? You know, I, I actually think that there is not a... It, you can never be too small to consider automation. Um, it, when you grow a business, um, you have to do one of three things or else you can't scale. Um, we actually started a, a podcast ourselves called Automate, Delegate, Eliminate because those are the three things you have to do in order to yeah. scale the business. So I, I don't think it's ever, you know, a, 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 an e-commerce solopreneur of one, um, I, I believe that they should have um, automation on their, right, on their radar um, right up front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this is a, probably the best advice for any managers out there automate delegate and eliminate i always remind myself to these three things uh it's it's on the top of my notes because we have to do so many things every day and after a while it's just impossible to do everything and you want to be with your family and and just have some free time and you have to do these three um what do you think? Uh, who should be the driver of these things uh, in the company to automate things, uh, especially to automate things? The managers, or it it sh- it should come from the CEO, from the top level people, or more from the 
you know, uh, people who are in the trenches or who should really push these things? That's a really great question. You know, when I originally began our journey in automation, I thought that the person who should be doing this um, and digging into it, the person who should adopt it first was the CEO um, and the the C-level teams. I thought they were the ones that would need to like drive a culture and put support behind it. But I discovered very quickly that the individuals who actually drive automation are the individuals who are lowest on the totem pole and in the trenches um, Mm -hmm. fighting for their lives, so to speak, against these manual processes. Mm -hmm. So very, very important um, to let those individuals be the ones who are who are focusing and and doing that. Um, And and I would say and and I've got more reasoning behind that if you want to hear hear more about where that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would definitely say the people in the trenches. Mm -hmm. And uh, what do you think how the leaders of the company and the managers can give the right tools or mindset to these people? Because uh, I think in many companies, I, what I can see, there is a, there is a top level, um, the CEO or the managers, and the employees are really just people who as assist or, or execute, but they don't have their own ideas. And I'm not a big fan of this kind of culture, but I can see this at many companies. They don't really initiate things, the, the lower level uh, employees. So, yeah. How, yeah. how it can be um, initiated or, or um, encouraged. Absolutely. So um, what I've found is that automation's greatest uh, competitor or its greatest, the Achilles heel, we'll call it that, the Achilles heel of automation is education. Um, and, and the reason the Achilles heel of automation is education is because Nobody knows what can or can't be automated because it's not the most common in the middle of everything thing, right? Everybody knows that you can open up a Gmail account and send email, right? That's that's a software that's been around long enough that that, that it does that. But the education principle of automation is, is its Achilles heel. And so I find that people, they get excited about automation and then they go spend an afternoon. They'll spend four or five hours trying to automate some manual process that we're seeing and as they go and take that manual process um, they'll spend so long trying to automate it and not being able to they'll get very frustrated and so they start hitting their their head against that brick wall and they get it to the point where zapier or integromat or pysync or one of these other platforms almost does what they want it to do but it just it just not not quite there they can't take it to the finish line and they get frustrated and they give up. And mm-hmm. and that causes some extreme frustration to the point where the next time they want to automate, they won't. And so yeah. what I've discovered is that the C-level team has to create a ladder for those individuals to climb and resources to use, a budget, so to speak, 100 bucks a month, 200 bucks a month, $1,000 a month, you know, whatever the size of the business is going to give you that. They have to create a budget that these individuals can use. When they hit that stopping point, they can post it on Fiverr, on Upwork. They can reach out to a company like Data Automation. They can mm-hmm. reach out to Zapier Support and say, hey, I've got some money I can throw at this. How do I make this work? Because if you don't have that budget, the, the customer support teams of these different platforms are generally like, well, you need the developer to make that last piece work. Um, and, and so 
I find that that's what a C-level executive can do is is create a fund or a way that they they can break through that brick wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, you mentioned Upwork and Fiverr and your company. I'm curious when somebody when when a when a company should hire your agency or an automation agency and when they should hire a freelancer when they should find a coder what the differences are um, in in work in budget in timeline and uh, what are the pros and cons um, just as a personal example um, our company um, wanted to automate our onboarding process a few months ago um, I hired a coder from Eastern Europe and uh, I'm sure they were a gr- great uh, two guys actually I'm sure they were great coders but <laughs> we had a, a big communication gap and the solution wasn't perfect actually it didn't help us uh, to be honest and uh, I just left the whole thing there so what do you think? What are the pros and cons to 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 outsource this to different people, freelancers, coders, uh, automation agency? We talked about no code solutions. Um, yeah. So, so I'd love to ask you some specific questions about that hiring process. I mean, as you as you looked at that hiring process and you got these individuals involved, it sounds like they presented a solution that seemed like it would work and seemed yeah. like it would go forward. And, and what I've found is that a lot of times um, that is what seems like happening. And, and when you have hired and failed like you have now, you're actually yeah. in a better position to understand what you did wrong and where, where you could go about picking that, right? Um, yeah. And one of the things that I tell people, so so I'm going to answer your first question first. Your first question was, when should companies go out and find an automation agency or find a company to get in there? And I have a litmus test that I call 1511. Um, 15-1-1 is more than 15 minutes a day, more than an hour a week, or more than an hour a month. Okay. Okay. When yeah. you are spending more time on that task than 15 minutes a day, an hour a week, or an hour a month, that's when it's time to start seeking help because generally speaking, if you're spending more than 15 minutes a day, more than an hour a week or more than an hour a month on that thing and it's going to per- continue in perpetuity, then you're going to have ROI. So remember 1511. I tell people to get out a sticky note, write 1511 at the top and start uh, cataloging things that they're doing mm-hmm. that are happening repeatedly um, yeah. uh, on, on an ongoing basis. And the 1511 is actually a really good opportunity for you to do two things. On a weekly basis, you can go analyze that 1511 and ask yourself, should I be automating, delegating, or eliminating this task? Because just because it's happening over and over again doesn't it mean it should continue happening, right? Um, so automate, delegate, or eliminate um, 1511. Okay. The next thing I tell people after they've decided, okay, let's automate is um, how to present that to an external developer. But it sounded like you had a comment there on on fifteen one one. Yeah, so, sorry. I, I can you repeat the last? Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I, I it sounded like you might have a comment about fifteen one one. I wanted to make sure that you were able to to speak to what what you thought of my litmus test. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, actually, I just uh, took my uh, my notes. Uh, I think it's a super actionable tip, uh, the 15-1-1. And uh, I think everyone has a lot of 15 minutes uh, tasks every day. Personally, I have at least 10 if I think about it. So, um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everyone should start thinking about this, uh, this Love rule. It. Yeah. So, so as you look at, um, y- you know, what it looks like in the world to kind of tackle and look at, look at those pieces, it's very important that you pick apart the, the, the those pieces. And once you identify something that should be automated, so uh, just out of curiosity, that onboarding process that you mentioned, um, yeah, how long? Um, is it taking you to do that onboard? Yeah, so all the technical setup for the team, it takes hmm, at least a half an hour or one hour. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so okay perfect. It depends. it depends. And how often is the process happening? Yeah, so the more often it happens, the happier, the happier I am because the more clients we have and, you know... Um, it, it depends again. So this month, it already happened seven times. Um, okay. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you can see if we apply 15-1-1 there, you're already at more than an hour a month. Exactly. And, 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 it, and it passes the test. Okay, so the next thing I tell people to do, when you go out and hire an agency, whether it's data automation or somebody you find on Fiverr or Upwork, Honestly, I'd recommend FreeUp as well. They're a, a fantastic partner for finding freelancers, especially okay. in the e-commerce space. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when you go bring those people to the table, what you need to do is you need to ask yourself four questions about your process that needs to be automated. And the four questions are, where is the process now or, or, or where is the data now? Where does the process start? What, what is the first thing that happens, right? What's the origin of everything that's happening? Then you need to ask yourself, where does it go? Where does the data need to go? Or where does the process end? Okay, so those two questions um, are, are vital. And if you if you write it out, where's the data now? Where does it need to go? And you answer the, the question underneath that, um, this is where it is. Then you go to the next question, what needs to happen to it in between? So you've got the origin, the destination, and now what happens to it in between? And I call that transformation. And then the last question I ask is, what triggers the process to start? Okay, And we already answered how often it's happening, how long it's taking. If you can phrase, like, like if you were to have a worksheet that you filled out and said, this is what it is, and right next to it, you put a diagram of the origin of the process, the destination of the process, and everything in between, when you hand that to a developer, it is almost impossible for them to do it wrong. Now that's not that's not to say that it's perfect, right? There's there's going to be situations where you know for sure people people don't get that uh, mm-hmm. figured out, um, but it's very powerful in terms of 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 how it gets there and and what that looks like. Yeah, that's that's great. I think this incremental uh, approach helps a lot. And uh, personally, where we had or I had a mistake with this developer, I think the communication was the problem and um, I, I wasn't clear about the solution. On the other hand, I think uh, they were limited by uh, by the systems. So we used Google Drive and they had certain limitations. Zapier also had that. So I think the other problem is the limitations of the tools. Um, what do you think about that? 
Oh, absolutely. The limitations of the tools are one of the things that stops um, many, many people from figuring out where to go next and how to handle it and and how to how to pick up and see where those are going. So, um, absolutely agree with you um, that uh, you are going to run into situations where um, you can't, you know, you can't figure out, uh, you can't, you can't go where you need to go. So, yeah. so I, I think it's important to recognize some of those limitations, but it's also important to find experts who know their way around those limitations. Exactly. So, so Zapier, for example, you may have tried to build something on Zapier and the connector or the action or the search, uh, the trigger wasn't available. Um, mm -hmm. For a couple hundred bucks, Data Automation can build a custom version of any API endpoint you want. So I'm literally talking like two to four hundred dollars. So not a lot of money. I can build you a custom connector to any one of those. Now this is custom to your company. It's not something you can resell or anything like that. But I can build you any endpoint you want on Zapier, connect it to something else for a couple hundred bucks, um, mm -hmm. and and you'll have a trigger from anything of any API. Um, mm -hmm. and, and most people just don't realize that just because it's not on Zapier doesn't mean that it's not something you can add to Zapier and it's actually quite affordable. Okay, that sounds great. Um, I know uh, about other tools like automate.io and uh, I could see a third one, but I forgot. So that is not only Z Z Zapier, but there are many others. I just mentioned Zapier a lot because that's they're, they're the leader in the space in terms yeah. of uh, integrations. They've got 2,000 applications and they're adding more than one integration every single day. Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's really, really powerful in terms of what's there. There are several others. I'll name off a couple of other ones. Um, Workado, Trade.io, um, uh, Integromat is another one that I see uh, mentioned oh, yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would definitely recommend checking out makerpad.co um, yeah. for, for other automation services. That you, I mean, they've got a huge list of different... Um, different tools that are out there that kind of help uh, push things um, from from one, one, one place to the other and, and help mm -hmm. with that process. Yeah. Um, just as a side note, you said that a real expert, if there, is, if there isn't a solution or it seems uh, not to be one, then uh, a real expert can always find a way, uh, another way. And I think that's, one of the real signs of a real expert because we do email marketing for e-commerce companies and sometimes we also face uh, technical issues and uh, and difficulties, limitations, but we always know the way around. And I think that's the real experience, the sign of, a, of the real experience. So if anyone from the audience who's listening to us uh, now, uh, if you want to hire an expert, always... Um, um, you should uh, screen if the person who, who you are talking with, um, that expert can um, see a way around the limitations of the systems or, or not, because that's a sign of real um, experience, in my opinion. No, um, you're absolutely right. There, if you, so one of the things we do when we're hiring is we actually create a test where we catch people in the situation where they're not going going to work. So mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah. A very easy way to catch um, or find an automation developer is to get them to tell you very specific things that they've automated recently. And if yeah. they can't tell you very specific things that they've automated recently, you might want to go find someone else. Another thing that I ask for is client references. Hey, can you give me two or three client references um, and what you did for them, right? Um, I, we actually have a test that we've developed. Uh, it's a developer test. Before we hire anyone, they actually have to pass our developer test. And it involves a series of API calls to Airtable and several other platforms um, to create and do what's there. If I'm hiring a salesperson, I actually make them pitch to me on the phone, pretend to be a salesperson for Zapier or something like that. And I tell them, you know, hey, pitch me this. And, and then they, I, I test how well they're going to do what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great tip. Um, so what would be the most common automations, integrations for e-commerce companies? Um, and also, I'm curious if businesses, they, uh, they find you and they already know what they want and how they want it, or they are more like, I have no idea how I could automate this, or I don't even know what I could automate. Please help me. Yeah, so um, we actually do, we, we see both sides of that coin. So um, we uh, see situations where people have no idea what they want to automate. Um, and we, we offer a service called systems design to those individual where they come to us and tell us the problems they're facing, what they're working on, and then we suggest the best solution to them. Um, it is a little more expensive, so it's a little, a little, little easier for you. I mean, it's, it's totally possible. We can do it. It's a little more expensive to do, to do that. Um, if they already know what they're doing, they've already done their research, they already know where they're going, they just need somebody to execute the plan, um, that's our automation service where we'll actually get in and pick apart and see, you know, what it is uh, that, that they're looking for and, and how they're looking for and, and how to mm -hmm. tackle it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, can you tell us a few very common automations? If there is somebody, an e-commerce business owner or, or, or marketer, and they have no idea what they could automate, yeah. uh, what are the most common ones? So um, I would say the most common e-commerce automations that I find are things to do with checking stock levels, um, things to do with uh, taking tracking information and transferring it around, uh, pulling information from, um, uh, like, like let's say that you find a new website online, maybe you find a new blog, and you go to that blog and you say, hey, I think that we could set up a micro store on your website and it would do very well. Your audience, you know, you're you're a Disney blog, um, and I sell, you know, uh, custom Disney T-shirts or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, what you might do in that situation is just have them do a blog post, and let's say that they, on their side, are like, "Well, I'm just going to set up a form where people tell me what they want, or they pay me, and then I'm just going to email you when it's time for you to send an order to them." Well, that means every single one of those orders is going to be totally manual, right? And so there are some things that you could do to automate that process of receiving that order or a new marketplace that spins up that doesn't yet have integrations to any of the common platforms out there like ShipStation or Skibana or Channel Advisor or whatever platform you're using that way. Those are probably the most common um, automations I see. Order transfer, tracking information transfer, or inventory transfer are very common ways that we automate for e-commerce sellers. 
Okay, all of these are very administrative work and uh, I think people don't like these, most of them, especially business owners. Another place that we shine is forecasting. So mm-hmm. nobody's forecasting software I've found is bulletproof. Everybody has their own little tweak or look at everything that comes in as far as, as, far as that's concerned. And so uh, one of the things that we've discovered is that it's quite important uh, that you, um, when, when you are doing uh, forecasting, um, that you have just the right touch on your algorithm. So one of the services that we offer is actually um, custom forecasting, where we will build you um, a Google Sheets or Excel model um, so that you can work anything you want into it. And we automate all of the data sources to go into the Google Sheet so that you can then start relying on it. I, I have a client who she was spending probably 15 or 20 hours forecasting because she actually manufactures uh, pet food. Um, yeah. And uh, specifically, or the name of the company is Puppy Cakes. Um, and she was spending a lot of time checking each one of those raw materials. And those raw materials were then contained inside all sorts of other things. She uses a platform called Katana uh, paired with a Mary Commerce, which is Mary Commerce is like a Shopify. And um, she could get a lot of her stuff, but she needed all of her channel data for how much she was selling. And then she had to break that down to the SKU level. And she has all these you know, kits and bundles and the raw materials are in multiple ones. And so we had to build her uh, a Google Sheet that would accommodate all of that was that that was what was there and it's become a pivotal part of our business and so that's another thing that we help automate is forecasting okay yeah and uh now it's august but q4 is coming black friday and christmas and i think uh many uh, many businesses e-commerce businesses they struggle to forecast uh things and uh, especially their cash flow so during the holiday uh season it's super important to have your numbers, uh, you know, uh, organized. And um, and I think that's crucial. And automation can help as well. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm on the same page as you there. And, and I would say, I mean, it, it's important that you get a solid understanding of, of, of what's possible um, so that you can, you can chase that. I think Q4 this year is going to be insane in terms of online. Um, yeah. I think we are going to have a cyber Black Friday. I think there are a lot of stores that just are not. I mean, think about it. The hundreds of people's inside stores with COVID-19. Yeah, I think yeah. it is going to be the biggest cyber uh, Cyber Friday. Um, we'll, we'll start coining the term now. It's going to be called Cyber Friday now um, mm-hmm. instead of Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it will be huge. Like this year, uh, e-commerce... Uh, grew by 22% if I remember well and uh, retail physical brick and mortar brick and mortar retail businesses they 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 shrank in the same size so yeah super interesting um, we will see um, probably you won't like this question but what are the things that you would that, that you wouldn't uh, automate in a company I actually love that question um, I, I really do actually, that, that question is one of the key, uh, differentiators between companies that are going to succeed at automation and companies that are not, um, okay. if you're not paying attention to what should be automated and what shouldn't, 
um, you're going to automate something that could actually do more damage than good mm -hmm. for your business. Um, so so uh, let me let me give you a couple of examples of things that should not be automated. Um, I would highly recommend that you not automate um, invoice sending um, or things that are that cause extreme emotional uh, things for your client. So when you send an invoice to a client, you're telling them, I'm done. And if you're not really done when you send that invoice, they're going to be quite upset. So very important uh, that you recognize um, that, that you've got to be paying attention to what does this communication with my client mean. Um, and, and that communication creates a situation where you know what you need to do and where it's going. So um, I highly recommend uh, that you pay attention to uh, th those sorts of things when, when you're automating. Another thing that I recommend um, not automating are things that um, should be more personal. So um, I recommend that, it, like let's say that you're talking about um, the initial sales call. Um, there are definitely ways to automate the initial sales call. That you can create a, an evergreen webinar where people join and you can communicate with them, but there's always going to be a piece of it where you need to continue to answer questions. Um, be careful about automating things that are going to eliminate your ability to retrieve feedback from your users. So if the clients that you're selling um, cookies to can never tell you, hey, I think a little less salt would be good, and everybody's saying that, but you've automated it so you no longer have contact with them, yeah. Um, that's an issue. So there are things you can do to make sure that you um, are are being careful with that, and it gets where it gets where it needs to go. Um, you know, it, it's just important that you you're very very conscientious of um, continuing the client feedback loop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I really like the personal thing uh, uh, that that you mentioned. And uh, I can uh, I can see it, and and many marketers they they say they've been saying this that uh, the internet really automates everything, and and the digital marketing is very automated. Uh, the ads, emails, um, webinars, many different things. Um, but I think the we we shouldn't automate the human side, which is. Uh, basically the creatives in marketing. So copywriting, uh, design, video creation. And actually we already have uh, AI in these uh, areas as well. We have software which can write copy and, and make headlines. But uh, the, in 2020, these tools are still, still terrible. Maybe in the next years it will be better. But I think... This shouldn't be automated, really, because um, this, this this is the human part. And as you said, uh, customer feedback, customer uh, care. Um, I know the company Zappos or Zappos. They uh, focus on uh, great customer support, and uh, those are real people in a real call center. Uh, you can uh, call them, you can chat with them, and that's not automated. So I think the human side of things um, shouldn't be automated. Um, and it doesn't matter how advanced technology um, we have. 
Um, we'll, I, think that, uh, I totally yeah. totally agree with you. Couldn't agree more. We need we can't take the human the human element out, but we can make it so that the humans are much more efficient um, as we're mm-hmm. as they're working yeah. on the businesses. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, well, uh, so thanks for uh, your tips and and great advice. Um, what would be the last one tip that you would give to our listeners, to e-commerce business owners and marketers? You know, if I were to take it down to to one last tip, um, there, um, I would say that. Um, uh, that that the the number one thing um, that that I would say is remember the fifteen one one and um, yeah. don't be afraid to look for mentors. Um, the the way that I've built my business is on finding people who can tell me what I'm doing wrong um, as I look at different pieces of what I'm what I'm working on. So um, don't be afraid to to look out and find other individuals who've done what you're doing already and join communities and. and groups that will help you see where you need to go yeah that's a great advice and i also believe in this much um i'm really curious uh, who, who is a good mentor in your opinion um a good mentor is going to be someone who's done what you've done already mm-hmm. so um you're, you're looking for someone uh, you know for me i'm an agency owner and so i look for um groups of people that have built agencies already so if, if you look for a, a mastermind, so, so e-commerce masterminds, if you do a quick Google search for that, you're going to find several of them. And those sorts of groups where you can get together with other people who are facing the same challenges you are and can hold you accountable and, and, and build there, that's a fantastic place to look for mentors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I agree. Uh, mentors are, are super important. Probably the... It's in the top three things uh, in business. Yep. You want Absolutely. to be successful. Um, if anyone wants to uh, find you, where where <clears throat> where they can find you? Yep. The best place to, to get in touch with me right now is via email. So you can email me at will at dataautomation.com. Um, you can also um, catch us um on the regular social media outlets, um, outlets, uh, we're, we're starting to become more and more active there. Um, but yeah, I, I would recommend um, shooting me an email and uh, you can check out our, our website, um, dataautomation.com. We're, we're happy to help. And, and just a, a special for any of the users that are interested, if you mention the podcast, um, we will dive in with you and do some, uh, some of that systems design you know, look around at different things. We'll give you a half an hour of that for free, which we normally charge three fifty an hour for. So happy to amazing. dig in and see if we can help you um, look at these processes. Yeah, that's an amazing offer. Uh, I'm really glad to hear that, and uh, I'm sure that many businesses can benefit from this. Um, I feel this part a bit ignored. Uh, many e-commerce businesses they focus on growth. Uh, traffic acquisition, customer acquisition, and uh, automation and operations, sometimes they are, uh, they are ignored. So I think uh, it's definitely worth everyone's time to look into it. Um, Will, uh, thanks uh, for coming to this uh, episode today. You shared a lot of uh, great 
um, advice with uh, with our audience and with me um, and to the listeners. So thanks for joining uh, us today and uh, stay tuned because every Thursday we are coming out with a new episode of, of the Ecom Show. Thank you, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ecom Show podcast. If you want to learn more about e-commerce, retention marketing, check out our Facebook group called Top 3% E-commerce Email Marketing or check out our website, thebudaimedia.com. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode and don't forget our goal. Grow your e-commerce business together.